Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Well, hello once again to Spotty, streaming to you live for the last time in lockdown in Melbourne town and for the last time this week, of course, here at Ticker News, located in glamorous Richmond, where for the next uh, 45 minutes, we're going to shine the spotlight on your shares and answer your questions live on air. So how do you get to do it? Well, for uh, you can text us 0480 079 089. Dex has been taking your messages all week and we'll do so over the weekend if uh, you have that uh, itch that needs scratching. Or you can email us, question at spotty.com. You remember to put that in your smartphone to make it for easy access when you do have a question to ask and you will see those details appear at the bottom throughout the show. Let's bring in today's Chief Spotters, starting with my partner in Shine, the great man, Chris Batchelor. G'day, Chris. How are you doing? G'day, Elio. Good, thanks. Great to be with you. Yeah, great to, to have you back on the program. Uh, other than myself, the uh, first guy to be back on for two uh, editions of the show. So we commence our rotation again next week uh, with a few extra people too. So look forward to that. But for those that may be tuning in for the very first time, because of course the great team here at Ticker News have been broadening their wings and attracting a brand new audience. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, you know, basically how you roll. How do you like to look at stocks? Sure. Been in the markets now for a long, long time. I'm pushing 30 years. I've had various roles in that time, but uh, one of my main ones was running a stock market research business for a number of years. Mm -hmm. um, I tend to focus on industrial stocks as opposed to resources. And I generally have a value bent, although not exclusively. I do still look at uh, growth stocks as well. But I like to understand a business. So I really dig into what a business does, how that's reflected in their numbers, and, and then finally, does it represent a good investment at the price it's trading at today? Yeah, so uh, Chris, is, uh, as I alluded to in his introduction, my partner in Shine, so uh, both he and I uh, do uh, Spotty Consulting, um, which is uh, you know a good little part of our business, and we're definitely uh, growing the business beyond that as well, and more of that news in the not-too-distant future. Uh, our next guest is me again. Yep, three days in a row, but I'm in lockdown, so what else am I going to do? Uh, but yes, and I also host the show. We're ready. All we need now need are your questions, so send them through right now. Uh, as we go to air, uh, currently the market, well, actually uh, having a bit of a sick day today um, after it's getting close to that all-time high, but then retraces back the all-ordinaries uh, down 0.66% and the XJO down the same amount. But of course, that doesn't mean the uh, market's not doing anything. There's a lot of activity going on, starting with, uh, well, Domino's, DMP, pandemic conditions have helped the company report a 20.9% increase in revenue to $1.1 billion, while profit grew some 38% to 954 
million. And they also lifted the dividend as well to 88.4 cents, which is 50% franc, if my memory serves me correct. Uh, Chris, what did you make of this one here? I mean, the good news was that we had an inkling that this was going to be a solid result. The company had been providing updates. Um, did it meet your expectations? Were you happy with it? Yeah, I think it's a really good result. Clearly, you know, having a home delivered pizza is one of those little luxuries that people have indulged in over the last year or so. And of course, the fact that you don't have to go out and risk exposure to the infected hordes also helps. <laughs> I know a lot of people with small businesses are particularly hesitant to eat out at the moment because if that venue is later declared to be a hotspot, well, they're forced to isolate for two weeks and that could just devastate their business. So, yeah, I thought profits were pretty good and they came in well ahead of consensus. Um, the consensus was around 89 million. So uh, the profit came in well ahead of that. As you mentioned, it's a big increase, 41% on um, prior period. And one of the things that really struck me is, you know, revenue, 1.1 billion, or if you add in the franchise stores, it's about 1.85 billion. Yeah. But amazingly, 1.42 billion of that is from online. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, Domino's have really benefited from investing a lot in uh, digital technologies in the prior years, and that's now really starting to pay some dividends for them. You know, I know even in my home, if our little one says, I want cheese pizza from the pizza shop, then um, my wife goes into my older son, my teenage son, and says, go online, order us a pizza, <laughs> and then she heads off to pick it up. So. Uh, Another thing that was a really interesting stat that came out in those results is that they're adding stores. They've added 131 stores in the last half and then another 11 just since the start of this year. And I mean, that's good. But in this particular environment, I think that's actually outstanding when you mm. when you think about all that's going on in the world. And it's also worth noting um, when we think of Domino's, you know, we think of the, the stores and the cars that we see around, but they're also very uh, significant presence overseas and in particular Japan and Germany were particularly strong for them in this, this last period. So yeah, a lot to like there, but of course the market also recognizes that. And so it's, it's trading at pretty euphoric um, multiples at the moment. Yeah, definitely. You can uh, buy uh, a lot of pizzas with what uh, the price is at the moment. Just having a look here, currently $101.30 up some 3.8% today. Another bit of news, though, that I found interesting as well, uh, Chris, I don't know if you saw, was car sales results, uh, reporting a contraction in first half revenue, actually, and headline profit. Now, revenue slid some 7% to $199 million, um, on an and though on an underlying basis, though, profit actually did rise. So that was the saving grace, up 17%. But Chris, I would have thought, given all the positive talk around the vehicle market in recent times, that they would have done a little bit better. I mean, you look at Babcorp, for example, uh, EPS up 25.2% today, revenue up 25.8% to some $181.1 million, and the dividend was lifted too, 12.5%. So what did you make of um, all that as a combination? I mean, uh, I know you're a fan of Babcorp, um, and just having a little look here, uh, its um, price today has, I'll just uh, come back a little bit, but not too much, um, versus uh, car sales, which is, holding its own. What did you make of the two results? Does it still keep the thematic there in regards to the auto space or has a lot of the run that we've seen in a lot of the names across this um, sector now sort of, you know, pretty much peaked? Yeah, I'm, I'm like you, Elio. I was pretty surprised at the car sales result. 
um, particularly when you consider that new, uh, sorry, secondhand cars have really been booming the, mm. the sales for those. And just in January, the, the prices of secondhand cars were 36% higher than, than what they were the previous year. So that's quite astounding for a secondhand car market. And then you've also seen a, a kick up in the new, new car market. So after, I forget, was it about 30 months of declines, the last two months we've seen increases in, in the new car market. So you would have thought that some of that would have fed into car sales results, but, mm. but clearly um, they've struggled to, to capitalize on that. Babcorp, yeah. on the other hand, yep, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say about Babcorp because uh, theirs was very a very different tone. They have been able to capitalize on that shift, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, with Babcorp, we've seen this consistent across the whole retail sector, really, of delivering record results for this half. Um, you know, savings have been really boosted by about 100 billion, according to some reports, over the last half year. Mm. And of people, you know, they've had their spending options curtailed, obviously. So what are you going to do with that spare cash? Well, people are doing things to make their life a bit more comfortable within the confines of your own state. Um, you know, if you're going to spend more time in your car doing road trips and holidays, well, you might as well make it comfortable. And, and Babcorp has experienced you know, entertainment systems, roof racks, and a whole bunch of other categories that have really shown strong sales. So revenue up 26%, profits up 54%, and, in, and online sales, in this case, up 300%. Mm. And, and interestingly enough, 80% of that is click and collect. So... Um, They've also just mentioned that their uh, profit forecast, most companies are hesitant to, to make a forecast yeah, in the current yeah. environment. But these guys, they didn't make a, a forecast per se, but what they did say was that the analyst expectations or the market consensus of 120 million is prima facie, does not appear to be unreasonable. So they're more or less saying, yeah, yeah, go with that. Yeah, so it'll th be an upgrade. <laughs> Okay, well, look, let's keep it with the travel sphere if we can, because the last company of interest was Webjet, who revealed the results of international and state border closures with a 90% fall in revenue to some $22.6 million. Uh, total transactional volume was down 89%. Now, Chris, we knew this was going to be bad. We knew it was going to be a tough period. But its uh, share price, or sorry, its market cap, let's call it that, is actually higher than what it was prior to this whole correction stuff, and that's on a decline of revenue of some 90%. It's uh, fascinating times, I would dare suggest, for uh, investors in uh, Webjet. And, uh, well, what did you make of the result? Yeah, it's quite staggering, really, isn't it, to think mm. that you could undergo such a huge cut to, to your business. The fact that they're still alive is really a credit to them, and they moved quickly to raise capital when, when this first hit. Um, I mean, the big questions, of course, is when's it going to end quickly? Is it going to rebound? And, you know, where will they be positioned when, when that happens? They've been trying to leverage, you know, the domestic leisure market, but confidence has just been knocked out of the interstate market because you've got the risk of lockdowns, as you guys have got right now. And then, of mm. course, border closures. If someone sneezes, then, you know, WA closed the border. And so people just aren't really willing to, to make plans. Um, but one upside to all of this is that assuming they have enough capital to survive, which appears they do, the market's going to have been heavily rationalised on the other side of COVID. Many of the smaller and weaker 
um, players in the, the whole travel sector, they're going to be knocked out. And that will mean that those that have the opportunity to capture a whole lot more of that business. So to be honest, it's really difficult to work out what's a reasonable valuation to pay for Webjet, given there's just so much uncertainty as to what the future revenue and earnings are going to look like and when they're going to start to kick in. You know, we could be looking at several years before things start to look anything like they did pre-COVID. Mm. Um, but they're probably one of the better positioned stocks to, to get through all of that. But that said, in terms of an investment, where you're trying to make some sort of sensible forecast as to what the future might look like, there's just too much unknown, too much uncertainty, and it really becomes a very speculative investment to, to uh, bet on this at this point in time. Oh, look, to justify these valuations, because that capital raising was quite dilutive, and I think that creates the incorrect impression when investors look at share price and they equate that to where it was to where it is and therefore if things get back to normal its price will get back there but it's a it's a big bound for them to climb to get back to that sort of market cap then also uh, to that sort of price level because the market cap will have to balloon and yeah i just don't see that in the short term so could be an opportunity to make hay while the sun's shining uh possibly um i uh, haven't got them on screen in regards to it. i'll come back to it later in regards to the price but we've got to move along we're about to answer everyone's questions remember we can't take into account your objectives financial situations or needs so you need to seek financial uh, advice if you do wish to uh, uh consider or, or take into account anything we say we do hold interest in stocks both chris and i will try to remember to disclose that when we talk about them but if we forget uh please don't uh, hate us it's just a cut and thrust of stock discussion we will happily address any concerns you have. Just contact us directly and we'll be happy to do that. And remember, Spotty is proud to be powered by our great friends at ShareWealth Systems. So go to the website, sharewealthsystems.com. You'll have plenty of time to do it over the next uh, five days before Spotty comes back on or four days. Um, they've helped Australian investors over the many, many years outperform by giving them an edge over others. So go to that website, sharewealthsystems.com to learn more. Let's go into the questions. And I want to start uh, with young Greg because obviously it's the other big news item today, and that's why I took it out of there and put it into your question, Greg. He wanted to ask about Westpac. Uh, WBC is the code, of course. Um, he just uh, he addresses this at me specifically, saying that, um, you know, he knows that I'm not keen on the banks as a general theme, and he's wondered whether um, this recent result from Westpac has changed my mind or thinking, given that the price has spiked 5% on the back of that, and that's not the sort of activity you expect from a bank. Um, he's uh, had a few good months with it though, so he's happy, but he'd love to know our thoughts, Chris. So just a quick recap in regards to it. Uh, they up provided their updated um, quarterly earnings, uh, looking uh, you know, actually really, really quite strong, unaudited uh, statutory profit of some $1.7 billion uh, compared to their previous average over the second half, which was $550 million. So this is a massive turnaround, and hence why you've seen the actual price jump that you've seen today. Uh, cash earnings sits around $1.97 billion against, well, well, again, well and truly more than double of what it was um, uh, the average uh, over the last year's second half. So this has been a pretty strong result. Now, uh, the other thing too, net interest margin actually improved too for the business, which was also uh, very different than the normal sort of trend uh, which has been happening. So there was a lot to like in regards to Westpac as it desperately tries to shake off the moniker of being the worst of the big four. Um, and this result actually goes some way to do that. Um, I haven't had enough time, Greg, to be honest, to really dissect it at the finer detail. I have um, looked at the others and thus far, Bendigo Adelaide's actually the best of those 
that have provided that report or, or update to market. And um, again, their price found a bit of support on the back of that. But Chris, I mean, look, they are a barometer of our broader economy. We know that, okay? So if our economy does well, the banks will do well and vice versa. As it was doing prior, where our economy went sideways for a few years and the banks pretty much did exactly the same. But, you know, housing market still remains quite strong. Lots of bulls out there. These guys have simplified their business to focus on that. You know, should I be changing my mindset in regards to banks? Is this their time to shine? Um, there are a lot of things starting to align for the banks, which you know certainly is a positive. Mm. Um, right now, you're seeing some really strong results because they, they put in place some really big provisions um, anticipating that COVID would really hammer their loan books. And that hasn't really played out. And so they're now unwinding those provisions. And, and so yeah. that adds a, a real positive to their, their P&L. Um, but some of the other factors, you know, as you mentioned, the housing market is strong and a lot of people are predicting that it will get a lot stronger over the coming years. So that, that's obviously very good for banks. Um, they're also coming out of the whole sort of scandal ridden um, issues of the last couple of years with the Track issue for Westpac and the whole Royal Commission into Financial Services. Um, and they're pretty much putting behind them now all the remediation payments that they had to make uh, coming out of those, those issues. So they're able to sort of get down and focus on their, their core business. And then, like you say, they're, they're levered to the economy and the economy is picking up. And there's a lot of, um, you know, as we we're talking about with the results of some of these other companies, there's a lot of uh, money around the economy. And so, you know, a lot of that will go into, into housing, which then comes through the banks. So, you know, there's a lot to like about them. There's still the, the more structural long-term concerns. I don't think they've gone away. But th there is a lot more positivity starting to come through. All right, I want to keep it with the theme of consumers, auto, you know, and all that sort of thing uh, and bundle that up all together because another company which in that retail space did deliver a strong result was actually um, Super Retail Group, uh, SUL. I uh, don't know if you had the chance to have a look at those numbers, Chris. What was your take in regards to it? Yeah, yeah, I did have a bit of a look at it. Um, very good in, yeah, in some. In, in some. <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> their profits are yeah, up 140%. Yeah. Uh, that's for the half, which is quite staggering. And the, it's forecast to hit um, 265 million profit this year, trading on a, a pretty modest PE too of less than 10 based on that. And they're already, you know, that forecast of 265, they've already pulled in 177 million of that. So they only need a further 88 million to hit that target. The question with um, Super Retail Group and, and many of these retailers is, is this sustainable? We know that there's a lot of money sloshing around the economy on the back of um, government stimulus. We know that people haven't been able to spend on things like travel or a lot less on entertainment, going out for dinner, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of money has gone into the retail sector and we're seeing lots of retailers come in with quite astounding results. Um, clearly, market analysts don't believe it's sustainable when you look at the longer term forecasts for super yep. retail group. Their forecasting profits are going to fall back to 190 million in, in 2022. So, you know, but this year you know, you've had a perfect storm of, of positive factors for a company like Super Cheap. Again, online sales up 87%. Um, and, and that's not just a COVID phenomenon. They've actually increased their online sales by 64% every year for the last four years, or on average. 
So, you know, they've really put a lot of effort into that uh, segment of their business. And, and what that means is they're in a really strong position to compete with the more general sort of online platforms like uh, Amazon or Catch. And I think what we're also noticing is their particular branding gives them an edge against some of those other online platforms. You know, if you think of camping gear, where you think of BCF, you don't necessarily think of Amazon. Yeah. And, and BCF, incidentally, was their big winner. The sales were up 51%. And, and we're seeing, you know, camping has become the holiday option of choice. You know, if you can't go to a tropical island, well, you might as well buy a nice comfy chair to sit by the lake in. So, yeah, a lot, lot to like. And, and the valuation is not unreasonable at this point in time. Yeah, so well, one other thing to oh, not, sorry, you go, Chris. Yep, I was just going to say with them and with many other other retailers, you're actually seeing them increasing their gross margins in this case by 2.7 percent. And and the reason for that is that they're not discounting. Yeah. Normally, you know, uh, retailers have lots and lots of sales and discounts, and and they just don't have to do that at the moment. They're getting the people through the door, just charging their normal prices, and so that's adding to their bottom line considerably. Yeah, and you being the king of camping, of course, so it's bloody hard to get you to do a day's work as you're always out there. Uh, no doubt you've contributed <laughs> to the company's earnings. Adonis also wanted to know um, a technical view in regards to the business, so I'll provide that. Uh, you'll notice, Adonis, the stock gap down back in November, and that is really a key um, uh, point in time that we need to look at from a chart perspective. Uh, from that or subsequent to that, some pretty strong support is set at around the $9.65. In essence, the price has been range-bound for quite some time. It did fill the gap, which is good, so it's washed that through, but it has retraced a little bit since then with a bit of negative pressure today. So I would say that $9.65 would be the ultimate sort of, that's it, you're done, uh, all bets are off. On the upside, well, you'd be looking at trying to break 12 or break 12.25 to convince that there could be a positive momentum up. Pleasingly, it is above the 200-day EMA moving average and that line is trending up. So even though on a shorter-term basis it's going sideways, on a broader and longer-term sense, it is heading in the right direction. And yes, notwithstanding that um, it would be disappointing to some based on the strong level of growth that it has pulled back a bit, when you compare it against many other retailers who had just as astronomical sort of growth rates, it's not too dissimilar. It's possibly just a bit of the market taking some steam out of the price. So yeah, from uh, my view, it's a, it's a solid business for all the reasons Chris said. And chart-wise, I'd be waiting for a clear break of either of those two levels to give me some sort of guidance. The next question comes from Anthony who'd like to hear uh, our view in regards to Pilbara Metals. Now, it's a stock I own, so I'm happy to take this one, Chris. Um, it's fallen some 30-odd percent from its recent high. So let's talk about the business first. Um, it owns the um, uh, Pilgangura project in WA. And in their latest quarterly, the company achieved record uh, spodamine shipments, which is great. Now, they bought Altura Lithium next door for a song, only 175 million US, I think it was. Um, so what's there not to like? Well. The price may be that concern because, as you mentioned, it has fallen from that recent high. Uh, but two things, Anthony. Uh, one, they just had a capital raising at a very juicy discount, I might add. So no doubt some of that has made its way back to the market. And two, the recent high hasn't been seen since 2017. And from that point, at one stage, uh, Pilbara was down over 90%. So human frailty being what it is, once it got back there, many may have jumped ship. So nothing's really changed fundamentally from this. Uh, obviously, its spike was pretty rapid, which inevitably means the pullback can be 
a little bit savage. Uh, lithium prices are still quite strong, but there has been a bit of sell-off across the broader sector as some of the hype that accompanied it recently has found its way elsewhere. But lithium is still solid, as most metals are, with the exception of gold. So from a price perspective, given that run up, I would say um, that a stop here has to be at around that 88 cents mark. You've got to give it a bit of room, given the rapid rise um, that it did achieve, if you're a believer in it. Uh, upside, well, $1.36 is where it's got to sort of get back to. It'll be interesting to see how they progress. Um, but from my uh, perspective, uh, I'm still happy and I'm still holding it. Uh, the next question comes from Tony. Chris, this one I'll hand over to you. Uh, basically, in short, when will Zip take a rest? And he's referring to Zip Pay, of course, the code Z1P for those playing along at home. Geez, it's been some crazy days from a good perspective if you've been a Zip shareholder, hasn't it, Chris? Yeah, it's so really say, interesting. So state the obvious. Uh, That's my other job that I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Zip will report their results on the 25th, so uh, worth keeping a good eye out on that. They're expecting um, the revenue to increase for this uh, financial year by 140%, but they're also expecting losses to more than double. So <laughs> take that at for yeah, what, what you will. <laughs> now the the big the big uh, item of interest with Zip at the moment is since mid January, revenue expectations increased by five percent. At the same time, the share price has increased by one hundred and thirty three percent. Now this this followed a particularly strong quarterly revenue result, which they published uh, mid January for, for you know for the last quarter, and particularly for the US, and and they're really. Um, placing a lot of their uh, future in the US. So, you know, it was, it was certainly very positive news flow, uh, talking about, you know, growth metrics of 100% and in, in some cases 200%. Um, the question is, is the share price response proportional? As I said, 5% uh, increase in revenue expectations, for that's for 2020, FY22, versus 133% as of yesterday for the share price. Um, they also they got a, a speeding ticket from the ASX yesterday, yeah. and um, they pleaded innocence to that. But um, you know the, the ASX asked, you know, what's going on? Are you not telling the market something? And they said, no, no, we're not. It's just general euphoria. Um, so yeah, the market's just banking on them putting in some ex exponential growth in the US, um, and their Quad Pay app was the second most downloaded BNPL. Uh, app in the US over the holiday period. Interestingly enough, Klarna was the the first one, and Afterpay came in fourth. Mm. So yeah, you know, there's some positive news there, but I don't I don't know how you say when when it's going to stop going up because I would have thought that would have happened a long time ago. Well, today might be the day, Tony, because it's down around 14 percent today. But again, if you're in it for a good time, not a long time, and you've made some gains to this point, then maybe. Uh, that's the signal that you've been waiting for. Talking of signals, we've gone past halfway. So I need to remind everyone, of course, that if over the weekend you want to catch up on some Spotty love, then go to the website, spotty.com.au. Uh, we're also available on podcasts on your favourite streaming channel. And follow us on social media if you want to keep up to date with what we're doing. Uh, now, remember also to take some time to download the ShareWealth Systems White Paper, 16 Traits. 
www.sixteentradesofsuccess.com.com uh, is that website, which is the 16 traits of successful investing to learn the qualities that you need to develop to be successful over the long term, such as the need to be vigilant and keep your powder dry. Because let's face it, there's nothing worse than staring an opportunity in the face and not having the capital to seize it, or worse still, being too overexposed at the wrong time and getting hurt on a big downward move. And uh, everyone knows my thoughts in regards to um, uh, taking money off the table. So Download the ebook, 16 Traits, 16Traits.com from ShareWealth Systems to learn why you must protect your capital at all times, as well as the other skills that you are required to learn to be successful. As we go to air currently, Chris, unfortunately, uh, the market's still uh, not uh, turning on a dime. It's still uh, uh, down a little bit, although not as bad as what it was earlier. I think it's regained a little bit, uh, about half a percent. But uh, yeah, obviously taking a break after some recent strong moves up. I will ask you this question though, it comes from David, would like to know the panel's thoughts in regards to SECOS Group. The code is SES. He believes the earnings forecast look pretty good. So uh, do you share uh, David's optimism? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting little stock, this one. They, um, they produce eco-friendly bioplastics. So in other words, things like plastic bags and food packaging, hygiene products, medical products, that are biodegradable mm. and right of course you know the current environment uh, everyone's very environmental conscious and so they've seen a real jump in their sales they were tracking around 21 million for the last five years or so and, and weren't really going anywhere but they're forecast to to bring in 30 million in sales this year and the um biopolymer sales which is their their largest division makes up about 73 percent of their sales they jumped by 71% in the December quarter. So um, what's this being driven by? You know, the, the, it's demand for, believe it or not, compostable dog waste bags in America. Oh, there you go. Also, um, <laughs> yeah, Australian demand for compostable food waste kitchen caddy bags, oh. and, also, and as well as the, um, the hygiene applications. So, it's looking like they're going to report their first profitable half in this reporting season. Oh, okay. So that's a real milestone for them because they've been trading at a loss for many years now. So to, to turn that corner and to be generating a profit, you know, it's a, it's a real uh, inflection point for a lot of companies. They're also, of course, expanding their production facilities. They produce um, these plastic bags in uh, China and Malaysia. So that will give them the opportunity to increase their earnings in um, future periods as they'll have more capacity to fulfill demand. Of course, there's always a risk of that. If the demand doesn't eventuate, then they've, they've built all this extra capacity, have increased their fixed costs and not necessarily having the sales to back them up. But assuming that they can continue to grow their sales and it seems that they have put in place some good contracts to do that, I think they're actually in a pretty good place. We don't really know what sort of operating margins they can sustain at the moment because there's just no track record to, to be able to measure that. But at this point in time, I would say that, you know, they're an interesting company. They do have a high share price relative to their current profitability and the profitability yeah. that they, they you know, may attain in the next year or so. But if they can continue to grow sales strongly for a few years, then, you know, they could be in a good place. Yeah, the only thing I can really add to that from a chart uh, perspective as well, uh, sorry there, David, um, was that, look, they did gap up quite aggressively, actually, on uh, the end of January. Um, and since then, the price sort of settled and now is coming back. Unfortunately, that gap gets filled once we get back to 25 cents. So 
At the moment, I wouldn't necessarily, if you're a true believer uh, in the business and you think that, and as Chris has articulated, that they will deliver a solid result and given they provide updates, you can get a bit of comfort there in that regard, then maybe, you know, you will have to accept the fact that possibly in time from a chart perspective, it may very well need to fill that. On a positive side of things though, well, the 200-day moving average is positive. Um, the money flow is still quite good, so RSI is above 50. Uh, we're also seeing, um, you know, that uh, money flow still to the positive side, although it's dipping a bit. The MACD's crossed over uh, and sort of hit that downward movement. So again, just showing that recent pullback. And yeah, if I was a betting man, then I dare suggest that that gap will probably get filled before um, you'll find some stability. Unless, of course, they report before that and it shoots the lights out and it goes flying. All right, because it is our last episode um, of the week, I am going to just... Uh, uh, rumble through a few uh, stocks of questions that had been asked before or hadn't been able to get to. So I'll start with Rumble, actually. RTR is their code. Basically looking for gold, uh, some 100-odd kilometres northwest of Mount Magnet, which is where uh, Romelius is uh, there. Now, recent drilling at Western Queen South has yielded some promising returns uh, with possible extensions along the strike for sizable underground mines. Though the grades at the shallow end weren't that great, to be honest. Um, there is, you know... But there is enough for long-term holders to still possibly believe in. Um, if you're in it for a short time, then they weren't that great or exciting. There is the added bonus of the JV they have with AIM Mines, um, who are looking for copper at the Lamel Project, which is only a few kilometres outside of Telfer. Uh, in never explored land, actually. I would have thought they would have looked around there, but they hadn't uh, done that yet. So initial drill results look promising, but of course, there is more work uh, that needs to be done. So not much else for me to uh, add um, to this, but you're going to require a little bit of patience. Um, if you were there to buy on the bit, uh, then and the expected results weren't quite what they meant, well, then there's no point hanging around. But if you're a true believer, well, then there is enough to keep you excited. So the only question that um, I can answer to um, uh, Anonymous, actually, who asked it, so always love when you throw your name in. Um, yeah, the only thing I can say is really you just got to figure out which camp uh, that you're actually in. Um, look, Chris, it'd be remiss of me not to ask you for a view on gold because it's sort of been counterintuitive. The gold bulls are pretty fervent. You know, dare we ever say anything bad about them because we get howled down and the like. I hold a number of gold um, stocks in my portfolio, but obviously uh, they haven't been my outperformers in recent times. What would you uh, sort of suggest to someone who's looking at gold stocks, be it at the moment or any time really, what would be the general hygiene points you'd give someone, if I can keep the sort of COVID thing going, that they need to consider and understand and appreciate when they take an exposure in such a business? Mm. Took a risk asking me that question, Elliot. Oh, there you go. Your internet, <laughs> um, your internet came back. We cut you out there because I thought you had no idea. No, I'm kidding. No, go for it, mate. Uh, you're back on air. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm just saying um, you took a risk asking me that question. I'm a real bear on gold and I always yep. have been for, for a number of reasons. I mean, gold is traditionally thought of as an inflation hedge. And if you believe that, then to the, now is a good time to be investing in gold because there is a reasonable likelihood with all this stimulus being pumped into economies around the world that we will at some point see inflation start to tick up. However, that's probably a pretty long-term play, so don't expect gold to rocket anytime soon. If you look at um, returns over long periods, like you know several hundred years, gold is pretty much the worst performing asset class there is. And, and the reason you know, I believe that is the case is that it's actually not a very useful material. Um, 
it's nice for jewellery, but jewellery is based on fashion and what's in, um, in vogue at the time. Um, particularly, you know, Indian brides like like gold, but if they for some change their mind, then the gold sales will get hammered. Uh, it's also liked by reserve banks because they stick it in vault, keep it there as a store of wealth. And the only really useful application it has is in terms of electronics, where it, it is used in circuit boards in electronics. Um, it's also uh, my personal beef, but it's a very environmentally damaging uh, resource in, in terms of the way it's mined. So I've never been a big fan of gold. Um, there are short term opportunities to make money in gold if you can pick the cycles, but it's, it's just one that I steer well. Okay, so uh, there you uh, there you go. But from my perspective, yeah, obviously the US currency is what will move uh, gold, unfortunately, in the recent times. And yeah, if it's an inflation hedge, then with that long-term uh, rate going up, um, as it has the 10-year bond rate in the US quite aggressively, then maybe it's finally it's time to shine. But the price chart would definitely argue against that. Uh, and also brief update from Horizon Oil, which of course our great mate uh, David Novak yesterday uh, put on air, uh, announcing that yes, they are so dirt cheap, they're going to be buying back their shares. So that's why you saw the price spike today. Uh, another quick question uh, from Graham, who asked about Pain Check, a pain assessment app where basically it allows um, using an app on a phone, you can monitor where patients' pain areas are and the level of pain. Uh, particularly useful, of course, when dealing with the elderly and incapacitated and even babies as well. So tick, there's a need. And tick, it's in the Meditech field, which obviously a lot of money is getting into there. Now, Evidence from the early adopted um, is that it's working quite well in helping with pain assessment. The tech has rolled out to close to some 1,000 aged care facilities and they've estimated, or they've accumulated, I should say, over 260,000 assessments um, uh, that they're going to use, obviously, as part of their database, which leads them to what they claim to be the largest pain assessment database uh, out there. Now, they're looking to expand into uh, Southeast Asia, Europe and Canada this year and US the year after. Uh, they wish to target a whole bunch of new sectors as well. And they've also engaged with, Ramsey with the Ramsey Hospital Research Foundation in WA. But there is an Achilles heel. At the moment, it virtually makes no cash. Only $89,000 was made last year when it burned through $1.4 million. The global expansion is going to cost. So they're going to eat into that existing $12 million base that they've got. Now, they've also got 1.1 or 1.2, I think it is, a billion shares on issue for a market cap of $79 million. So the price is going to be stuck around here unless it goes on a trader's run, and that's really where the salvage is. So there is a need for global expansion and a need. It's a good um, possible opportunity, but, yeah, I think a few things are going to need to work in their favour. Uh, Chris, just quickly, I will be asking you about your stocks to see the light on in a moment. Uh, just to finish off on um, one other one from Sage, he's been very patient waiting for our assessment on PTB Group, who are a global aviation parts and supply um, organisation. They fix turbine engines, if you can believe that. Um, and they lease planes and engine hire as well. So the largest part of their business is um, the leasing of turboprop engines uh, from Brisbane. Uh, that's their main revenue generator. And Asia is a key source for their business. It's been a tough year, obviously, for the industry, though things are picking up, which is good. Uh, the business has announced that it's selling some of its properties for $9.5 million. They are going to use that money to pay down debt, which is good, and expand into the US where those margins are stronger. So PTB, looks, it's okay. They've upgraded their guidance recently. They just need a few things 
to work their way. And also, Janet, uh, for you that mentioned, just remember, when we bring up a company's chart, you'll notice the company's code in the top left-hand corner. So in this instance here with PTV, you would have uh, seen that there in the top left-hand corner. Of course, do replay the uh, audio if you wish in order to see which companies we are talking about because we do mention it. All right then, Chris, it's time for us to see the light with our great friends at Macro Capital. Macro Capital is the place to go where you can get all your information you need about investing, a whole range of investment tools, and of course, you can do your execution as well. So go to macro, M-A-Q-R-O, .com.au to learn more about their services. All right then, Chris, what two stocks do you want to help us see the light on that we're going to toddle off and do our own research into to see whether they align with our objectives and tolerance to risk? Okay, Elio. So I've picked two stocks today. One's Shaver Shop, SSG, mm -hmm. and the other is Codan, CDA. Um, Shaver Shop have 123 shops selling personal grooming products. Um, but the action for them really has been in their online presence, uh, as we've discussed a lot on this show today. Online sales have doubled in the last six months, and that's taken them to a position where 30% of total sales are now that online channel. They've really benefited from the whole COVID situation in that not only were a lot of people stuck at home, I know you were really trying to get a haircut, but um, <laughs> also, the whole movement towards online sales has, has, has benefited to them. Uh, but unlike many of the, you know, the rapidly growing online retailers, they're actually a profitable business as well. They've got gross margins in the order of 40%. They're making a, a return on equity in the high teens. Profit last year, 10.6 million. And already in the first half of 2021, they're expecting profits of 13 and a half to 14 million. So already beaten last year's full year's profits in the first half of this year. Since the depths of the COVID crash last year, the share price is actually up by about a factor of six. And, but despite that, the valuation metrics still seem quite modest to me. And you know, based on my own sort of forward projections, I think the PE ratios currently are less than seven with a dividend yield of about five. So it's looking uh, pretty promising. However, it is worth noting that it's traded on a low PE ratio of around 7.6 for the last five years. So mm. just because the PE is low doesn't necessarily mean that's going to change. Um, and, and what's also interesting to note, the share price today is about the same level as it was in 2016. However, revenues have more than doubled during that period of time and profits are actually up by a factor of five. So perhaps people were a bit over enthusiastic five years ago or four years ago, but now, you know, things I think are looking pretty promising. So I'll move on to Codan yep. before we run out of time. Yeah, better be quick. And I just wanted to focus with Codan. I should say I do own some Codan, um, the code CDA. I just wanted to focus specifically on the announcement that they made yesterday, which was that they're making an acquisition of a company called Domo Tactical Communications. Um, the market really liked what they saw with the with the acquisition and pushed the stock up 9%. That said, it has come back a bit this morning, I noticed. But this business, they're acquiring it for 88 million US plus potentially 16 million uh, earn out. Um, it's a communications um, business, as the name suggests, and communications make up about 30% of Kodan sales, which was worth about 104 million in 2020. So Domo is expected to contribute another 90 million of sales. So they're just about doubling the size of that communications business within Codan. And the acquisition itself, they're able to fully fund it from cash 
and it's going to be earnings accretive from day one, which what that means is that the, the return on equity for Codan will increase because at the moment cash is earning next to nothing. But once they've um, invested in this business, then of course they will be earning um, decent profits. And so, you know, their return on equity, equity overall will increase. They've also managed to make the acquisition on really attractive terms. They're, they're paying an amount that's basically equal to the value of the underlying assets. So that means they're not actually paying anything for goodwill, which is pretty unusual yeah. in an acquisition situation. And the EBITDA multiple, you know, it's 8.1 to 9.6, which is not incredibly cheap, but it's certainly not expensive. So it looks to me like a pretty good bolt-on for what is already a very good business. So SSG and CDA are Chris's two stocks. For mine, just briefly, the first one's INR. INR is the uh, company's name, so INR is the code. They own the uh, Rhyolite Ridge Lithium Boron Project in Nevada in the U.S., currently undertaking approvals from the uh, various authorities there to get that off the ground. And as we know, the Biden administration wants it. We know Elon Musk is looking around the same area uh, for lithium, of course. And they've recently signed a deal with Caterpillar in order to use automated haulage vehicles. They've received approval for that and just signed a memorandum of understanding. So the price is run, I know that. Um, but, you know, the uh, two prior cracks below 20 cents, you know, I think, I just have a very good feeling about this, uh, particularly it's in the right space with lithium and has been doing quite well. It looks like a bit like another Linus, different sector, of course. The other one, EML, great result today, really proved the doubters wrong. Those who keep thinking that the payment cards and the like are a big part of their business, they've reduced that from 70% down to around 30 um, the PFS acquisition looks like it's uh, gone quite well and therefore uh, they validated that with the very strong result today. And EML is my other stock. Well, that's all we have time for, folks, on our show for today and this week. So on behalf of all of you, I want to thank Chris Batchelor from Spotty Consulting. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Elio. Now, stay tuned to the website uh, for our next week's guests, uh, of which we will have two others accompanying myself. So don't worry, Michael, I will shut up. Um, if a question pops up into your head between now and then, go to the uh, email us question at spidey.com.au or text us 0480 0790089. Thanks again to our sponsors, ShareWealth Systems. Until next week, lockdown or not, but we're going to be free. Dan tells us so. I'm Elio Damato. You've been watching Spotty, and together we've been shining the spotlight on chairs. Take care. Stream Ticker News Live. On the Ticker app, on your social media platforms, or watch live and on demand at tickernews.co. News as it breaks and the story.